church, I believe you are ready to receive the word of God. This morning, the servant of the Lord is ready. He's the national leader of Aposa. And this morning, he's here. Rise to your feet. Even as we receive the man of God for this morning. Put your hands together. Pastor Andrews Norte. Appreciate the Lord for his life. Appreciate the Lord for his life. Speaks a lot to me when Amen. I read the lyrics. Him two four four, Jesus Christ and we want to ask him. You know, like we have said, this come meetings about an MGC. And anytime God, we tell him. You know, sometimes God is on the throne, but you realize that you are not giving space. Then you can tell God, come. He's there, but you can still tell him to come. Because that God we are serving is a wonderful God. The other time I heard him telling the children of Israel, he said, I destroyed Egypt. I was in Egypt manifesting my manifest presence. Bringing glory to you people and destroying Israel. And then I brought you unto Sinai, unto myself. So I was in Egypt. My omnipresence was there. And my omnipresence was at Sinai. The manifest presence was there in Egypt. And I carried you on eagle's wing and I brought you unto myself. It's difficult to understand this God. We just can't comprehend him. But we are telling God, we are telling God that we, t- we want him to look at us again. Look at us again. He started his work. And only he can continue and only he can finish it. Yesu Christo. Brabeshe won krofu. Yesu Christo. Brabeshe won krofu. Na won krofu. Rishe wokwa. Yesu Christo. Cron, cron. 
Permit me to take just a minute to let us all to reflect on simply giving God some obedience. I, I call it a simple obedience. But I take my mind back to what might have happened 33 years ago on KUST campus. When people that today or in those days would be referred to as small boys felt that God was speaking to them and how they gave God simple obedience. And see how that simple obedience, that Apostolic Obroni and his and his two friends decided just to obey. We felt God is saying something and they decided to obey. And who knows that simple obedience 33 years ago can produce a shift agenda. Listen to me. Listen. Don't clap yet. Don't, don't, don't. When you are seated in your own assembly, when you have no title, you have no recognition, nobody, but, but you just can hear God speaking to you. If you also decide to obey, you have no idea 30 years later what it will produce. I want us to thank God for the life of these three gentlemen. For that obedience. Because that obedience will cost so much. And ask God that he will never forget their labor of love. Wherein they have labored and continue to labor. Fathers, we want to salute you. God bless you so much. This is my own conviction, and it keeps growing stronger and stronger. Anytime I feel something, I have a conviction, I must say it or not. But sometimes, over time, you realize that as you grow, you realize that that conviction was wrong. But what tells me it is true, is when God continues to affirm it by giving you many signs to tell you it is true. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And when the church gets it right, the world will be healed. The church is God's agent. That which God uses to get his will. In the past, he used Israel, but now he has decided that he will use the church. That his manifold wisdom will be made known unto the world. When the church gets it right, the whole world gets healed. But I realize many churches in this country might have gotten it right. Sometimes we look at some of them and, and we envy, we are like, oh God, so when will our time come? I have seen churches that have hit their peak. 
And everything that you expect of a church, you see. But Ghana keep getting sicker. Have you thought about that? And that confirms. And that affirms. And that continues. Convict me again, Dad. Perhaps that church that God has decided to use to bring a revival is that sleeping giant. No, because if all the all friends have gotten it right and we are still sick, then perhaps this is not the ingredient. No. When we're on campus, we cook. Okay? We cook. Some men are good cooks. Yeah. We cook. But there are some times when you cook. You know, I remember there was a, we were trying a new, a new recipe. And then you put the things inside. And you take them through the process. I have finished cooking the stew. I taste it, but I'm not getting the taste. Then I was like, ah, something is not inside. You know, you, know, you can't take anything out now at this point. It is an irreversible reaction. Right? <laughs> but what is not inside? That must be added so I get the taste. That is Ghana's story. Church A is doing well, church B is doing well, and Ghana is getting it wrong. Where is the missing ingredient? That sleeping giant must wake up. And may God retain. I believe, and I'm not the first time saying this, I heard it, I believed it, and I think it is true. God is waiting for the apostolic church to rise again. And as soon as we get it right, Ghana will be healed. This is an, an anecdote, an anecdotal evidence, okay? It's not a strong one, but it's funny. I heard someone saying that if you look at a map of Africa and you rotate it small, it looks like a gun, a pistol. Can you, can you see that? And you know what the person said? If it is a pistol, then the edge where the firepower comes out is South Africa. Can you see that one? If you don't know geography. <laughs> where the fire comes out is South Africa. Can you see that one? But where is the trigger? And, and in Ghana, the church that God used to trigger the thing is still waiting. What is happening here is big deal. And sometimes it looks, it looks like the thing is interesting because South Africa, you know, it's, 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 it's like the United States of Africa. The, the rest of the world it's in South Africa. You know that one. Yeah. The most developed part of Africa. So if things are moving from there to the rest of the world, it's much easier. Because even if we want to send something from Ghana, our internet can go off. You know that one. <laughs> but it will not happen in South Africa. Today, we want to look at when the glory departs. Yesterday, we realized that if we don't honor God's omnipresence, we can never experience his manifest presence. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro the whole world to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, you give recognition to the omnipresence, then you will experience the manifest presence. Joseph did it beautifully when he was in Egypt. He knew, he knew very well that he was far away from home. But when Mrs. Potiphar held him and said, lie with me, his God consciousness was so high that he didn't say, 
Some people are watching. Oh, somebody will find it. Oh, some, no, 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 no. He said, I cannot do such a great and wicked thing against God. But he believes that God is not only in his father's house. God is also in Egypt. In Potiphar's bedroom, God is there. So he said, because God is here, I will not do this great thing against God. And once he honored the omnipresence of God, we read several times in that passage, for God was with You honor the omnipresence, you will enjoy the manifest presence. And when what we saw was that his glory departs when his presence departs. Because the presence, the power, and the glory are so related, inseparably related. So when the presence departs, the glory departs. When the presence departs, the glory departs. The point is, does God depart? God has walked away. But it abounds in scripture. There is a history and there are images of his departure or absence from his people. I just want us to look at a few. First, For I know Abraham, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, you know what he said? For I know Abraham that he will teach his children after him that they will keep the way of the Lord, they will do justice and judgment so that everything that I have promised unto Abraham will come to pass. What God was saying, I was giving a testimony about Abraham, that Abraham will pass on the knowledge of God to the generation. And we, we knew that he did that to Isaac. Isaac did that to Jacob. Jacob did that to Joseph. And that's why Joseph knew God. That far away, even in Egypt, he was giving reverence to God. Abraham did that. But somewhere along the line, after they have been in Egypt for 430 years, some theologians say that it was not that they exceeded the 400 years because they believe that the first 30 years when they were in Egypt, Joseph perhaps was still alive. And, and they were not in slavery. They were in Egypt to do, but they were not in slavery. So they still think that the slavery was 400 years. But the issue is that after 400 years in a strange land, God made Moses Mount Horeb. And he says that, I am sending you. Go and tell the Israelites, me, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to deliver them. You, you remember the question Moses asked? When they asked who is their God, what shall I tell him? He was asking for God's profile. And that suggests to us that perhaps their knowledge of God has now become very faint. You tell them, I'm the God of their father Abraham. I'm the God of their father Isaac. I'm the God of their father Jacob. I'm, now God is introducing himself. It's like you meet someone and the person calls you. Pastor Andy, I say, yeah, hello, Amber, please, where do I? And the person, oh, you don't remember, come meet in 1925. You know, like, oh, I'm the one that the other time when we were pastor, that time your handkerchief fell and I took it for you. And the person will have to tell you a lot of things so that you can remember faint memory. So, God was telling you, tell them, I am this, I am that, I am that. And the suggestion is that perhaps the encounter with these people would have been very, very, very little. But you remember that when Moses also got to Pharaoh's house, he told Pharaoh, the Lord our God have asked that we should leave and go and sacrifice. Listen to what Pharaoh said, who is that Pharaoh was not living in denial. He just didn't know that God. The people have been on his land for 400 years. He might not have seen any manifest presence of that God. Because they normally would not do that. Listen, when the Philistines captured the ark, even before they captured, when they heard that the children of Israel were jubilating because the ark has come to Ebenezer, to their camp. 
You know when he says, see, your God have come. And they, they begin to tell who the God of the Israelites were. They don't live in the same land. But they said, hey, that God who destroyed the Egyptians and they divided the rest. And they were not telling us about that God. So if Pharaoh also knew, he would have said something. He knew nothing. And what he's telling us that during these 400 years in Egypt, there may not be many powerful manifestations of the manifest presence of God. That God needs to be introduced and introduced and introduced. Again. When Gideon We know that story. God was about calling him to lead Israel as a judge. One of the things that happened that Midian was now controlling them and, and they were in pain. They wished they would have their liberty, but they didn't have it. And Gideon was afraid and he was stretching in secret. Then the angel of the Lord came to him. And greeted him, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. And Gideon challenged that statement. We have not seen any manifest presence of God for a long time. How do you tell me he's with me? If he's with me, where is the proof? Where is the proof that God is with me? Because we know, we have heard a story. They have told us about it. So when God is around, we know the things he can do. But now we are in the hands of our enemies. Please spare me this sermon. Don't tell me God is with us. So Gideon is saying, the Lord has not been with us. He's left us for some time now. So don't tell me something else. Another example of God's departure or absence is that of Samson, a very painful story. I always read this with pain. The Lord told Samson, before he was born, his mother was told, the father was told, this guy, the sign of my presence with him is the fact that his hair is on. So it must not be cut. That is the condition. Yesterday we saw that there is a condition for which the manifest presence pops out of the omnipresence, presence. And for something, the condition is that keep your hair on. Don't cut it. But when something allowed Delilah to cut off his hair, Bible said that something, Delilah called him and said, something, the Philistines are upon you. Something said, I would wake up and shake myself as other days. And the Bible said, but he did not know that the Lord has departed. He did not know. He did not know that the Lord has departed. When Eli was judge of Israel, we read in First Samuel chapter 3, he began by saying, in those days, the word of God was rare. No visions, no dreams. Urims and Tumim don't do anything. The word of God was scarce and the lamp of God is almost out. For a long time, God has been silent in Israel. And yesterday we saw how that even in the presence of the ark, God will do no show. Just out. Saul, the king, had not honored Dominic's presence. And we are told in First Kings chapter 16, Verse 14 especially. The Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That was very sharp. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. (laughs) 
that difficult thing, evil spirits from the Lord. But you don't have to worry about that. You know, sometimes if you know how people speak, you understand how people do their, their language, you understand their background and everything. It is seen clearly, visibly, in everything they do. The children of Israel had an understanding about God, very different from our understanding. Or let me say, our primal understanding of God. The typical African believes in causality. Nothing happens by chance. And we believe that there are good forces and evil forces. The reason why our forefathers had idols, not because they just love evil. No, it's because they believe that this particular idol is a good one that will prevent me from the evil one. So, in every typical traditional African prayer, we never finish the prayer by not cursing the evil forces and asking the good ones to bless us. Have you heard it before? It is typical. That is, that is our understanding. That is the typical African understanding. And that is the reason why today this so-called prophetic thing has increased. Because once they wake those things up in us, they wake them up. Do you know that thing they call double insurance? No, no, you put on a belt and put on braces. Uh, if the braces fail, the belt is there. If the belt fails, the braces hold you. It is called double insurance. And people bring it into their worship of God that we go to church, but we have something small under the bed. Just in case God feels, this one helps me. The typical African believes that we believe in the reality and the power of evil forces. That is what is disturbing our kind of Christianity today. That when you go to church, you hear more of the devil and enemies than you hear of God. It's so real with us. And the devil has sent angels in the name of prophets to come and wake that thing up in us. The typical Israelites don't believe that. You know how, what they believe? They believe that nothing happens on this planet without God's permission. So that when Hannah is barren, they will write and say, the Lord has shut the womb of Hannah. It's not the devil. And when an evil spirit is tormenting Saul, they will say an evil spirit from the Lord. And when they go to war and they destroy their enemies, they say the Lord destroyed them before us. But when their enemies destroy them, they say the Lord gave us to our enemies. God is in charge of everything. That is how they think. That is their feeling. That is their worldview. They interpret everything in that light. That is the spectacle they wear to view the world. So they said, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord came to torment him. So that they don't give any credit to the devil. I mean, for every match, the devil has lost. And they don't even consider a match. The battle is over before he attempted to fight. And perhaps that is the reason why before we also enter into any battle, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. When Israel were in exile, Ezekiel, the prophet, was trying to tell what has happened. And if you read Ezekiel chapter 7, 22, and then chapter 39, verse 23 and 24, he said, declared, he said the Lord said to me, I have decided to leave you. I have departed so that you suffer. We are talking about the fact that in history, we have seen God depart. His manifest presence depart. Tomorrow we will see where he goes when he departs. Because I have found the location. <laughs> because I have, been, I have been wondering. Because You know the Bible said that the heavens, the Lord, the earth is his full stool. I, I feel the whole earth. Is that right? So when he leaves, where does he go? I have found the GPS location. <laughs> and anytime you are looking for God, you don't find him, you can go there. You can be sure there are only two places. He leaves the rest of us, he goes to a certain corner. We will find where God is. And another 400 years comes after the last prophet prophesied in Israel. And there was silence. This one is the most popular 400 years of silence. And last year we were told during these 400, there may be some stirrings. The stirrings, some angelic stirrings of some waters. A few things happening, but 
God was so silent until God came in flesh. And then the whole scene changed again. That was then, but now. That was then. But in the body of Christ today, in the church today, and if we want to mind our own business, like the late Professor Milton, then perhaps we want to talk about our own. Where is the ark? If we can't find the ark, it's a sign that his manifest presence is not here. The ark is a symbol of God's presence, power, and glory. Where is it? Where is the power? Where is the glory? When Apostle Denson became general secretary, Anytime he met us, there was one thing he says. He said, I ask for you, the apostle people, I thank God for one thing for you. That when it comes to the word and your life and your sacrifice, your commitment, I like it. But one thing is lacking. And I pray that God will let it happen. See, apart from the word you are preaching and your whatever, whatever, it's left with the manifestation of the gift of the spirit. We want to see the dead rise again. We want to see the sick healed instantly again. We want to know that God is with us again. And any time he says it, you feel something. You lose. Your balloon gets deflated. What he's saying is that it is not there. Let's not fake it. It's not there. Where is the fear of God? In your assembly, do you see the fear of God? Is it there? Can you say that we live as people who fear God? Because the fear of God is a symbol of honor that we give to him. On the first night, we were told, Malachi, that God was saying that, where is my honor and where is my fear if I'm a father and if I am a master? And if we don't fear God, you don't tell me that his manifest presence is here. It is not. Where are the prophets? And when I say where are the prophets, I'm saying where are the warnings? Where are the judgments? And where is the path to restoration? Because that is what the prophetic office is meant for. When we see evil and we don't hear voices speaking against the evil, there's no prophet in the land. May God raise prophets in our church again. Amen. And if you are a prophet, rear your head. Because I know there are some prophets who are fair with that prophet. But look at the king. This king, what kind of prophecy will he like? And they prophesy that one. But when they realize that this king will not like this kind of prophecy, they will not. Because no prophet had lived a roller coaster kind of life. No. Once you say what God said you should say, you know you will always be in trouble. So when there is evil being perpetrated and yet we don't hear loud and clear warning signs, judgment being declared and a path to restoration, it tells you there are no prophets in the land. Where are the fathers? Where is discipleship and mentoring? Where are they? See, a typical Jewish man is making sure that his son takes after him. And I'm told up to date, they still do it. Do you know how they name their businesses? 
of Orukuregu and Sans. That is it. What, what job else are you going to do? And when they see Jesus, they call him the carpenter's son. They have declared his future. <laughs> you cannot do any, especially when you are the firstborn. Your end is already declared. In fact, that community was a very stereotypical community. That they can just, the one they see the father, they know the son. That was the reason why when Saul heard that Dave, somebody is saying that he can fight Goliath. He said, call him for me. When he came, the guy was standing in front of him. He said, who is your father? Whose son are you? He said, you are too young for me to see exactly whether you are banana or you are plantain. But if I know your father, I can tell what you will be. Very stereotypical. We are saying that where are fathers that are ready to mentor young men so that they don't go wayward? Where are mothers that can mentor young women so they will know how to live with their husbands in wisdom? And when we are lacking this one, you can't tell me that the manifest presence is here, please. Because, you know, these things don't happen by the strength of man. For it is he who is at work in us, both to will. Where are the priests? Where are the priests that spend time to pray for the church and intercede for God's house? When Joel was prophesying, he said, let the priests line up between the altar and the porch and let them wail and intercede and say, spare Lord your people, spare us. I'm sorry I'm a pastor. But when pastors' wives go to conferences, they pray more than when the pastor themselves will go. We know it. The women pray more. We eat more. You know, you know, sometimes it's difficult. When, you know, I was in a certain environment, I can't mention it here, a certain environment where I saw people like, people you see on television, you're like, wow, yeah, these are the men of God. And one of such men was leading a prayer meeting. And I look around and say, these big men are so sanctimonious and pious and resistant. Nobody was praying. So the man was saying, speak in tongues. You speak in tongues. People were not praying. Say, quiet. <laughs> we just love things we do for the pictures. And someone tells me that if you ask somebody to pray over the offertory, listen to the prayer very well, it tells whether this person prays at home or not. When we were on campus, there was a certain program that occurred at Kumasi. I didn't attend. I was listening on radio. It was the ordination into the office of a prophet of a certain Osofo. And that whole ceremony was attended by so many other prophets in Kumasi. This was not the time when these recent days have come, long time ago. So you could see that these are people who were a bit more decent than the people we are seeing today. And it was attended. From MC to closing prayer, it was handed by prophets. And I fell in love with what I heard. Because if you hear the prayer over the offertory, you know this guy prays. When they ask an elder in church to pray and give a closing prayer, do we have intercessors in God's house? Where are the priests? Where are the kings? Hmm. If you read the book of Judges, there's one particular phrase or clause. I don't know. What is which? That one, I didn't do well. <laughs> Let me assume it's a phrase. And if you are, Mama Ophir is here. Jesus, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Okay, but there's a particular sentence you that was has been repeated in the book of Judges more than any other sentence. And you know what that sentence is? In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. 
that statement appears several times. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Anytime you see people do this, anyhow, even if somebody is on the seat, there is no king. By king, I'm talking about quality governance and sound leadership. There is something called leadership deficiency. Where there is somebody in the seat, but there is no governance. There is no leadership. Your friend would be naming It's like I'm doing what I like. You too, you can do what you like. And these are all signs. That something is wrong. Where are the kings? If you are presiding at that, how do you govern your local assembly? Is there order? The Apostle Paul urges, let everything be done decently and in order. Only kings do that. I watched the movie of the, the death of Jesus Christ. And I saw Caiaphas, the high priest, went to, went to Herod, was it Herod, or Pilate, Pilate. And then he said, thank you very much for, for, for the past few days, how you helped us to get soldiers to go and guard the tomb of, 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 of that Nazarene who was killed, blah, blah, blah. We just want to come there. And, uh, and Pilate was like, clear off. What are you thanking me for? Governance is my job. That statement meant so much to me. Don't thank me for what I am supposed to do. Some time ago, I told my this rich women's leaders, when we do a convention, you say you want to do vote of thanks. When you are thanking, don't thank me because I'm the convener. How I do my convention? Maybe thank somebody else. Pamdo, Pamdo, you are No vote of thanks anymore. God bless you all. Amen. Afina, we want to thank our DC pastor, the same person who conveyed the thing. I have done convention. I want to thank people. Come and thank them for me. You are thanking me too. <laughs> See, governance is the job of kings. They rule, they govern, they make sure there is order. Wherever there is no orderliness, there is no rulership, it means there are no kings. Even if a human being is there, we have leadership deficiency. Where is worship in spirit and in truth? We have now made and created our own religion. And we do things the way we like it. It is not what God said anymore. I remember God telling the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 12, 1 to 4. He said, that you see, I brought you here. You see these people, blah, blah, blah. In verse 4, he told them, I don't want you to worship me like they worship their God. Don't worship me their way. Worship me my way. See what we do. When we say we are praying today. See what we do when we say we are in worship. See what we do when we want God's children to even bring money for God's work. See what we do. So if God's manifest presence is absent, and that is the reason why we have deteriorated to this state, I want to ask you, who left? Is it God or his church? So everything was fine. We were all working nicely. God was with his church. Okay, so let's look at 1935. Okay. All the way to the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, maybe. I don't know when and what point in time, but who left? What we know is that God is faithful to his covenant. He will not just walk away. God will not do that. He was in the church and all of a sudden he said, I won't go again. No. 
So we can only take the blame. We left. And what is the evidence that we left? See, departure from God as a church begins as a silent, latent, and internal withdrawal from dependency on him. There is that thing which is in man that makes man always want to be in control. It is in it. It is in every man. We humans simply love to be in control. And we are scared when we have to cede control to someone else. It's difficult. We always want to be in control. We always want to be in charge. So gradually, the church begins to as it were, find ways by which we can, we can go, maybe if God can stay, so that we can do because, see, following somebody every day. So maybe you want to leave. We withdraw from depending on God and begin to depend on the experience we have had in following him for 10 years. It's okay. After following you for 10 years, we can now find our own way. We left. When our love for God grew cold until there was no passion for him. So in Revelation chapter 2, 1 to 5, you remember what he told them? He said, I know, your love has grown cold. Go to your first love, oh, because this is not the love you loved me from the beginning. Go and go back, take that first love again. Your love has grown cold. Anytime our love for God and our passion for him grows, grows cold and, 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 and it, 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 it doesn't exist anymore. It's a sign that the church has left. And when we leave, the glory departs. We left when we began to value the gift more than the giver. Today, do you know what people used to choose which churches to go? Odiwe, Oyadie. And when they say Oyadie, you understand. You understand. Automation come. Oye, pray, cry, cry. Me pay after na koye quiet time. Go and read scriptures. Walk with God slowly. Kakra, kakra. Debi, debi, debi. No, 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 no. Pray, cry, cry. Football, yeah. And no one at once. And when they go to the prophet and realize that I call one time, then they move to the next prophet. So if there are people, when you take their phones, prophet one, prophet two, prophet three, prophet seven, they know this prophet is good when it comes to marital issues. But this prophet is good when you want to visa. And this one is good if you want to take somebody's husband. This is the same idol worship our fathers had when they had multiple gods and idols in their home. That's all. When you love what God does more than the God himself, you have left. Because God cannot be fooled. We left when we began to cherish methods more than principles. Saying, yeah, yeah, no, this is how it was done, and this had to be done, and we will make sure it is done that way. Even when God is speaking, behold, I make all things new. I have done a new thing. Say, God, go and sleep. This is how we used to do that. It's a sign we have left. Do we love the methods more than the principles? So there are things we do that we don't even know why we do them. But we are doing them. We left when we began to over-institutionalize the fear of yielding control to God. Because institutions are for men. Movements are for God. As soon as we institutionalize, a man is in control. When there is a movement, God 
is in control. Institutions are not bad in themselves. But when we over-institutionalize, we kick God out. We left when we began to deify the things, the people, places, and methods God used in the past. See, the children of Israel, watch them. By the time they have gotten to the promised land, the, the, the prophets have so much job to do. Why? Because they have to go back and force them to take things out of their lives. If you read Samuel, Samuel chapter 4, Samuel will have to call them and tell them that, please, you have to take this Nehushtan and this Ashtaroth and all these things out of your life. These are images. Images. And you know what? For example, when the children of Israel were traveling, and they got to the wilderness where the snakes started biting them because of everyone. God asked Moses to do a, a bronze serpent. Do you know that these people brought the, the bronze serpent home and they started worshipping it? Share this serpent. Share this serpent. You are out. So they brought the thing and now when somebody is sick, no, look here, look here, then they go and look at it. And God said, now you are worshipping this. God used it in the past. Okay. God used that method in the past. Okay. The other time, one of the fathers was telling us about an elder that, by the grace of God, God gave him a direction and he added salt to something and the wife was healed or something. No, what in China, sorry. I mean, what in China, sorry. What in China, sorry. What in China, sorry. What in China, sorry. What in China, God may use this microphone today. That's okay. But if tomorrow God decides to use this one, that's fine. It is God we are following. Remember in 2017, we were talking about the fact that the Bible said that when you see the ark and the priest carrying the ark, then you follow. So if yesterday I was the one carrying the ark and so you followed me, Today, when you see me going, don't follow me if I'm not carrying the ark. Don't follow. The issue is that, listen to me, it is not about the one carrying the ark. It is the ark. So if I see a donkey carrying the ark, I will follow the donkey. Because that is the imperative. That is the main thing. Don't tell me God used you yesterday. God must still use you today, else I won't follow. So if, listen... Do you know why every two years you renew your driving license? You may be seeing last two years, but maybe now you are blind. So if you go for the driving test and you are blind, we withdraw your driving license so you don't kill people. So if God used you yesterday, let him use you today, else nobody must follow you. Don't deify the things, the places, the methods God used yesterday. Make them look as God's. God is a current God. See, Time dwells in God. So there's nothing like past and future. So once we begin to deify those things, we have left. We left when we began to worship God in other ways than he has. What are the effects of God's departure of glory? If you want to find out whether the glory has departed, there are a few signs. It's a litmus test for you, my assembly. Check it. Anytime the glory departs, people who are in charge and are not ready to yield, they are not ready to accept, they are not ready to repent, they are not ready to go to God and say, God, please, the glory is gone, so let it come back. But they still want to be in control. They begin to install fake and cheap substitutes. Fake and cheap substitutes. It has happened several times, you see. I used to have a certain presiding at any time you realize that the temple, the spiritual temple of the church has come down. He doesn't know what to do. He's confused. Then he say, hey, the Lord has shown me that three people will be dying, so we have to do one week. And because people fear death, they come to church. That is how he revives evening services. And as soon as the people come to pray and we bind the spirit of death, they go back to normal things. So you can just do this, but it doesn't work. 
When Rehoboam, Rehoboam was king of Israel, you know what happened? Shishak came to collect, attack Israel, and collected all the golden ornaments from the temple and took them to Egypt. We are Bema. You also organize your army and go to Egypt and go and fight and bring your golden things back. The Bible says that but Rehoboam made brazen ornaments of the same thing and, 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 and used them to replace the gold. There are many ministries that are brazen ministries. They are not golden ministries. They are fake because the glory has departed. When we lack grace and we resort to human strength, see, when the, the glory is there, it is not of him that will let or of him that run it. It is of God that show it. But when the glory departs, then people use their own strength. See the way human beings are struggling to push something small. Something small. Look at this image. Look at it carefully. When the glory departs, this is how church becomes. And there are so many lessons. Look, what kind of ties do we have here? That is when the glory departs. But interestingly, look inside. What kind of ties do you have there? See, let me tell you. When the glory departs, the means, the gifts, the people, the whatever that God has blessed you with, they rather become a burden to you. And you have to sweat. See the sweat. Look. I, I just want to look at the sweat. Look at the sweat. Look at this. It's heavier than rain. Human strength. But there are gifts and there are blessings and there are things that God is giving you to make life easier. They rather become a load and a burden. That is when the glory has departed. As opposed to when the glory returns. See. See the square ties. They are here. And see this one. Nobody is struggling because for by might. If you realize that you are struggling to get your church to grow, you better go to God and say, Papa, let the thing return. I give up. Raise your hands. Because when it comes to church, there's no macho man. When the glory departs, that's when men tend to manipulations. Become very manipulative. Before we go to the meeting, a pseudo meeting has been completed. Decisions have already been made. And we are just going to force it down people's throats. I tell people, if you want to do that, write a circular to me. Don't call me meeting. Just write a circular and say, these are the decisions I've made. It's better than to decide before you come and sit in a meeting, faking as if we are now coming to make a decision when you have already made a decision. Manipulations is a shame. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe unto us, for we have sinned. And when we are not ready to give up, we manipulate. We begin to do trial and error. We don't even know where we are going. Because the glory has departed. When the glory departs, frustration and desperate measures. I watched a video clip of a short one, like a one minute or two minutes. This prophet believed that God had asked him to call for a, a mammoth convention or crusade or whatever the program, I don't know. But in the video, you could see that Papa Nabu Patakes, yeah, and he has put so many chairs. And I'm sure he has waited and waited and waited. But the video starts from where he was walking in the midst of the empty chairs with his instrumentalist, a few people standing seated, and the man was singing. And he raised a new song. And the keyboardist couldn't get the key. Then he was singing. Then he would turn like this. In the video, you could see him turning, looking at the keyboardist. Then the guy was doing, bah, 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 bah. after some 30 seconds, the man turned. Sorry for my language. He said, wait, Jimmy Wong. One minute is not the real key. Sorry, brother. Hey. Sorry, brother. My child one with fast in your mouth. No, you could see frustration frustration on the face of the man after having spent money to hire all the chairs nobody came to the program frustration or the good keyboard is nice when the glory departs 
So there's a cry for God's return. If we cry that God should return, it's an indication of our own ready to allow him to reign, to rule, and to take his place. The struggle will be over. No one of us here was cut to come and build God's church. He said, I will build my church. Are we really getting there? This is our time. It's a time to give up. No struggles. I said, Lord, this is not the church our fathers bequeathed to us. So, Lord, let us not bequeath this one to our children.